Welcome to Conversations and Connections with HBA Canada, the podcast that gives you access to industry leaders and offers valuable insights for career growth. We will be bringing you monthly episodes that include interviews with influential leaders and HBA members from healthcare and the life sciences, where they will offer career insights and key lessons they've learned. We will also be bringing you discussions highlighting essential career topics like networking, mentorship, finance, and more. Our podcast gives HPA members a chance to learn and grow together in their careers and their personal lives. Be part of the conversation as we aim to achieve our goal of getting more women into leadership roles. So don't delay and join us. Welcome to another episode of HBA Conversations and Connections. I'm your host, Christina Bellier. Today's episode promises to be both engaging and enlightening. Our guest, a luminary in the healthcare field, shares her passion for HBA and its mission. Having recently participated in a captivating panel on storytelling for business, she brings a wealth of experience and wisdom to our conversation. We'll explore her career journey, including her groundbreaking role in bringing insight to Canada, where she navigated risks to establish a successful presence here. Her leadership approach and the impact of her storytelling in healthcare is notable from anyone who was there at the event. We will also explore personal insights, challenges, and inspirations that have shaped her journey. I am so excited to introduce today's guest. Christine Lennon is a highly accomplished global biopharmaceutical executive with over 25 years of experience. She boasts a track record of success across multinational and specialty pharmaceuticals, venture capital, and biosimilars. Her leadership spans startups to established companies, often pioneering new roles and creating value in each endeavor. Currently, as the General Manager of Insight Biosciences Canada, Christine oversees medical, regulatory, and commercial operations. Notably, she received the HBA Luminary Award last May 2022, recognizing her outstanding contributions in the industry. Before we jump into our conversation, I just want to give a special thanks to Manulife for their generous sponsorship of the August HBA event, Leading with Impact, Harnessing the Power of Communication and Storytelling for Business. Your support is instrumental in making these remarkable events and insightful panel discussions possible. We appreciate your commitment to empowering the industry and fostering meaningful dialogue. So without further ado, Christine, welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to have you here. Thank you, Christina. I'm also very excited to be here. (laughs) So before we go into it, I always like to talk about the why. You've been involved in HBA and you received the prestigious Luminary Award. Why are you so passionate about this organization? I'm passionate about the organization because it has similarities to other organizations. Of course, it's fostering women's advancement in healthcare. It's a wonderful place to network, to learn from others in your local area, nationally, internationally. There's those that are out in front of you. They're trailblazers. There's young up-and-comers who we can mentor. And it's people who have a similar passion. So there are similarities. And yet we're very diverse as well in terms of where we are in our journey, what area of healthcare we work in, 
what languages we speak, etc. So that's there's it's always a learning experience and so there's give and take, which is wonderful. <laughs> I love that. That makes me so happy. And then you were recently on the panel for the Storytelling for Business event. Like I said, that thanks to Manulife, one of our sponsors at the Manulife building in Toronto. And so it just sparked some questions. So for all for those people who were able to be there or did it virtually, and if you didn't, these are going to be some great insights. For some background listeners, Christine, you are employee number one. You had to work really hard, and I can't even imagine the sleepless nights you had to endure to bring insight to Canada. Can you share some insights into the risks that you had to navigate and how your leadership approach obviously very contributed to successfully bringing and establishing this company in Canada? Sure. I'd, I'd love to. Um, so Insight is a company that's existed for a little over 20 years. It's a U.S.-based uh, publicly traded pharmaceutical company. And originally, its business model was to discover, as it continues to do, develop its drugs, but only sell itself in Canada, excuse me, in the U.S., and, and they would do licensing agreements for their discoveries in the rest of the world. And when the current CEO came from Novartis, actually Oncology, to Insight, there's where there's a connection. Okay. <laughs> in 2014, the company had already been established. It was doing well in the U.S. And the board and investors wanted to know, and physicians, etc., what are the growth opportunities so that thus started the expansion to other parts of the world. And so Insight purchased Ariad Pharmaceuticals in the EU, I want to say about eight years ago, and then had operations in 14 countries in the EU in manufacturing. And after that, wow. set up operations in Japan. And so in the plan, as of the end of 2019, was to set up operations in Canada in 2020. Who knew what was going to happen in 2020? And so <laughs> interviews started <laughs> and interviews continued in early 2020 and an offer was made. And lo and behold, one day in March, just as one was about to get started, that start was from one's kitchen table. <laughs> it's true for anyone doing anything at that time. Yes, COVID-19 occurred. Yes, we were in our homes. We were all learning how to do Zoom calls and muting and unmuting. <laughs> Diabetes was still continuing to occur, cardiovascular disease, cancer. And mm -hmm. we were and we are in a number of disease areas. And two of the drugs which we brought forward quickly to Health Canada had already gained approvals in the U.S., one for a certain type of lymphoma and one's for a certain type of rare bile duct cancer. I was very motivated, impassioned, and the word that really comes to mind is a sense of responsibility that we need those options for our patients here in Canada. Regardless, we all need to get vaccinated, we all need to get through this, <laughs> but all the other diseases yeah. aren't waiting. So we started the, mm -hmm. I started the operations in Canada as of April 2020 from our kitchen table with learning Zoom, etc. And the first order of business, Christina, was filing the drugs to Health Canada to make sure that the drugs could be filed, that Health Canada would accept them, and that they were on a path to being made available in Canada. Because without that, really, it would have taken longer to get started, etc. Mm -hmm. 
I was confident that we had approvable drugs because they were being approved in other parts of the world. And so there was a real, for me, a real sense of responsibility, like somebody's got to do this. Somebody's got to bring these forward. And what did I do all this career for if it's not me? I was selected. Obviously, there were many people that applied to do it. But that's the word that comes to mind is a real sense of I can do this. We can do this. We need these drugs in Canada, these treatment options. That's what was motivating me <laughs> and still does. So <laughs> I, I, I just got honestly got goosebumps. I mean, I hope that more people think the way that you do. It's very much <laughs> about the right drug for the right patient. They have to have a certain type mm -hmm. of test, et cetera. And the, both of the drugs that we filed in 2020 to Health Canada were first-in-class drugs, meaning they wow. never before had those yep. types of drugs been available to or filed or seeking approvals in Canada for those types of illnesses, which are both cancers, one lymphoma and one form of bile duct cancer. So, yeah, it was a sense of somebody's got to do this and yeah. somebody's me. <laughs> <laughs> I trained yeah. my whole life for this, so let's do it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. So was this kind of like you said there was some interviews. So is this a sort of a process where you saw this opportunity and then speaking of the storytelling, like how was it that you convinced the management team to come? How did that all play out? And then when you were sort of in front of those people, how were storytelling to say, I can do this. I'm the best person for the job. The job had been, actually, as it turns out, the job had been posted a few years earlier when they were on the verge of, they thought, bringing the then other drug forward that ended up not really working out, which is, <laughs> so they, they stopped the presses and didn't come forward to Canada a few years earlier. So they had already been talking to people then, and I wasn't one of them. I mean, I was gainfully employed elsewhere. I wasn't looking <laughs> for uh, that change in my life. Uh, when the, the position was posted, as it turns out, I was doing... So then I, when mindset in the end of 2019, I was already doing consulting work for other companies that were considering setting up shop oh, in Canada. Okay. And I would do all the work and try to show them how it could be done and but there was a lot of stuff going on in the industry in Canada that made the potential very unstable and so unfortunately there were more companies than not saying you know what it's not a great time for us to come to Canada and we're not talking about COVID we're talking about just the ability to sell the ability to get drugs approved and reimbursed when this mm -hmm. was posted actually a friend of mine wrote to me and said this is your job. This is you. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And, and this is where we coach people to say, don't see if you've got 110% of everything on the list. Let's <laughs> yeah. you know, go for it and make the case. And so I had to convince myself a little bit to apply. And so I oh, wrote to the CEO who I had known previously. And I said, am mm -hmm. I too late or could I, would you consider and if he wow. wasn't the hiring manager, it's the head of North America, who I did not know at the time, Barry Flannelly, who's terrific, a pharmacist by training. And so I wrote to him. He was very nice, very kind, very polite. And he said, we've already been meeting a lot of people. 
And I said, oh, okay, here's why I'd like you to consider me, and here's what I think I can do. And it was no foregone conclusion, but I did meet them in person in early January. They actually had snow in Delaware the day I went, which was hilarious because it looked like icing sugar to me, but (laughs) everything was stopping because they had icing sugar on the streets. Mm-hmm. But I met with them, and I was really passionate about their pipeline, and I had done a lot of work and research and gave examples of how we were able to get other cancer drugs reimbursed here in Canada and approved, etc., and some of the other mm-hmm. work I had done. And I guess they saw something in me, and, and it all worked out. <laughs> oh, wow. That... That's that's still very, I don't want to say like a risk, but that's a, like a huge undertaking. So you're just like, I'm just going to throw myself into this. Did you have that moment? Where I can do this. Like, I know I'm going to be successful with this or. Yeah, I had as many moments, which was like, okay, now <laughs> I got the job. Now I have to do the job. And, and then, of course, the pandemic started because my start date uh-huh. was April 2020. So, you know, I'm not. <laughs> I have a level of confidence, but I wasn't like over the top about, I know how to do all this. Um, And even if you did, how do you know how to do that during a worldwide pandemic? Like the the playbook wasn't out on that yet. It It was really being determined about sticking to, as the expression goes, sticking to your knitting. Like you gotta stick to what's most important. And that was about getting the drugs filed doing what you needed to do, rallying the troops, getting people to help from internally to file these drugs, be as impassioned as I was. And that's what we stuck to. And and I just, I did light a firecracker into a lot of people who already had a day job because there's no regional team. It was like, hey, I know you have a full-time job in the U.S. and we're in a worldwide pandemic. Hey, I know you right. have a full-time job in Europe and we're in a worldwide pandemic. <laughs> Could you you lend a hand? And everybody did, which was terrific, which for me was such an insight. And I use that in quotation marks because it's not a pun, but into the culture. You can talk about culture. You can test culture. You can put mottos on walls. But it's really (laughs) when you're asking everybody in the village for help because you're alone at your kitchen table during a pandemic trying to bring these terrific therapeutic options forward for cancer patients that then you really see the culture people step up and uh, i love that and i'm I'm very grateful and we all are for that yeah and it's made me think everything can be a story and then it's engaging and then people react a different way to it so when it came to all of that what was you know how did maybe your power of storytelling based on your experience help you create that engagement that you got? Yeah, it's really about everybody focusing on what was most important and what binds us. And that is, I would say that's also the word responsibility and passion and empathy. Everybody felt a a definite sense of pride about these first-in-class drugs as rightfully they should and we still do. And it was about, hey, let's make sure we get this out to as many patients as we possibly can when their prognoses are in months, not years and decades. So every 
day, every moment counts. And so the story is short in the sense that if you focus on the patient and the need, and there are no other compounds like this out there, <laughs> and let's do what it takes to bring these forward. Obviously, so long as they're safe and effective, and you have to think that if the FDA approved them and Europe approved them and Japan approved them, that people are getting it right, and they are. So yeah. then it was like, we need to get these here because we know they're approvable. We know they're first in class, safe and effective. Mm -hmm. And so people rallied around that and how instead of taking this much time to do the packaging during a pandemic, can we reduce that? Can we figure out ways and work with Health Canada? Storytelling was really about the objective and what bind, what ties us all. And I think when you, you keep focusing on that, not on the minutiae in between, but on what we're really trying to accomplish here, that kind of made it easy easier it was it wasn't an <laughs> yeah. easy task but it was a way to make sure people stayed focused on what we were all trying to accomplish and that we did accomplish absolutely I mean, the passion is so clear and i want to switch gears a little bit too and get into a little bit of the, the leadership side of things because i can hear the passion i can see it but obviously for the listeners you don't even need to see it you can hear it in your <laughs> voice how passionate like you said responsibility so we had talked prior to the podcast where you were we'll say in a fork in a road in your career. Yeah. So talk to us about why the passion for healthcare, um, what got you started and, and then maybe even why you stayed, why you didn't go the other way. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah sure. So I'd love to tell you it was all laid out, mapped out <laughs> when I was in university. It wasn't. I knew I really liked science and I used to have as a part-time job I used to work in a bank as a bank teller. That was my part-time job on weekends and the evenings. And you didn't get out of there till you balanced in those days and all that stuff. We still have to balance today, but it's not with actual paper money and all that yeah. stuff. <laughs> Deposit slips. But so I did work in a lab in university and uh, it was interesting to me, but it wasn't quite my place. It wasn't right. my happy place. And <laughs> I remember my mom, who wasn't allowed to go to university, who was valedictorian of her class, but she was from a generation and a place wow. where they didn't have the money and she needed to go out and work. She wasn't allowed to then, but she ended up getting her degree, actually, when we all got ours, after we got ours. So that's a different story. But anyways, <laughs> very, very that, inspirational lady. She's, Christine, you didn't do all this studying to in in science to be because it was easy right I had done this for a few years I'm like yeah you're right so yeah. I applied and I got my first job in the industry and it was at a time when I was working what for what is now Novartis but it was before it joined with Sibagaygi and I had half the country was my my territory. So I had Quebec to Newfoundland and somebody else had Ontario oh, wow. to British Columbia, which I didn't know. It seemed like a lot, but <laughs> and I was working with transplant drugs for bone marrow transplant, heart transplant, solid organ transplants, as well as it was a life lies, a freeze-dried gamma globulin, so it was a blood product. This was before they were testing for hepatitis C, etc. So there was a lot of there's a lot of learnings in terms of the industry, the regulation, but also the social impact of everything to do from signing your organ card to 
the importance of blood testing, the ramifications of what does, what, when things aren't tested. At a young age, coming out of university, that really struck me that there's a whole, um, there's a whole ecosystem to this, and it's about keeping people well and healthy. And so I, I was always um, fascinated and intrigued by it. And these things don't just happen by serendipity. They take planning. I say that. There's some scientists that have found discoveries by serendipity because they were told to do this <laughs> and they found it elsewise. But wh where I'm going with all this is it's capital intensive. It takes it. T you have to spend a lot of money on a lot of uh, compounds to be able to get that one or those two. And, and of course, we're all trying to streamline this, but it's highly regulated. And the ultimate is that it has to do more good than it does harm. So you have to rightfully prove that it's yeah. safe and effective and it's going to do more good than harm. And there are rules in place for a reason. And we all know that people that are working in this area, patients, caregivers, etc., all of that makes me get out of bed, wake up, because there's somebody waiting for this. And, and in, as is true in many of our, our histories, my family's been touched at every generation. My, my mother, my, my Dirk family, etc., by some significant diseases that required a lot of other people to burn midnight oil. And not just people in the industry, but caregivers etc to come up with changes and and trying to find solutions where there weren't solutions and so we all need to try <laughs> and so i feel mm -hmm. very yeah. impassioned about that and it's never let me down I, in the sense that there's i know what i need to do when i wake up and i know what i'm trying to do and i hope that in any group or company i lead that I'm working with such like-minded folks. And I know I have that in the company that we've built here and the company at large. And it keeps us all going to be able to be able to bring treatment solutions to those that didn't otherwise have them. That that almost got, I had that demo where like, oh my goodness. And you say to, we're, like I'm a step outside. I can't even imagine being right at the source, especially bringing, like you said, the first in class treatments. And yeah, it just that just touched me. I was like, oh my goodness! Thank goodness for people like you and, and those like minded individuals. That you, at the end of the long day, you're still yeah, saying, I, mean, I, I, I got to do know, this. There were epidemiologists, of course, that predicted. Uh, a worldwide pandemic, right? So they didn't know if it was going to be SARS, if it was going to be flu. Maybe I'm not an epidemiologist, but it was being predicted. And when it hit, it's industry, it's academia, it's the regulators. Everybody figured out a way to do this faster, better, without cutting on safety or efficacy. And for the vaccines that you see in the marketplace that were approved, there's many that weren't. Like everybody was trying, other companies were trying. We were with one of our compounds running trials to see if it could help with cytokine storm. So something, anyways, that, that happens in the immune system yeah. when you're, you're, you've got this onslaught. And it was about everybody had to roll up their sleeves and pitch in, and every part of the system did. And which wow. for me is sad this had to happen. Great yeah. to see that when it really came time, everybody for the whole part of the ecosystem rallied. 
it wasn't my company, your company. It was like, <laughs> we all work on this together, yeah. the regulators. And for me, let's not lose that. Let's, there, there's other world issues, health, yes. Yes. But other world issues that we need to cut, we, we need to cut the time, we need to reduce the time, we need to get mm-hmm. to the heart of the matter and get there quickly. So yes. it's like, we can do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And so I go back to our old ways. I know for healthcare workers in many, you can't run you can't run a sprint every single day, right? It's a marathon. Mm-hmm. We know that. It can't be 911 every day. We get that. But there's lessons learned. There's bureaucracy that can be compressed. And so I just hope we don't lose that in terms of trying to fight other world issues in addition healthcare amongst them other diseases yeah. and other issues yeah uh, that's so great i hope to like going forward i hope these podcasts do inspire people and your words do inspire someone and it got me thinking too you said the marathons and sprints so can you talk about a time where you faced sort of a tough challenge or feedback and how you handled it yeah <laughs> Like, I'm going to have to choose because point in my life where there's, yeah, you get tough feedback. Sometimes the thing you thought was going to work so well didn't work or or you tried something out of the box and it didn't work. So, yeah, I've been at the receiving end of tough feedback either. And sometimes it's not personal. It's just like it can be the compounds didn't work. Sometimes I want to go 150 miles an hour, but where I'm at doesn't want to go quite like that. So it's not always a fit issue. Sometimes it doesn't always fit. And and that's okay. It hurts and stings a little bit sometimes. But yeah, I think as the same goes, it, it makes one grow a little bit more character. So I've had a lot of character mm. building in my life. Oh, no. <laughs> but that's okay. And it's, People will, I guess what it it also does, and I keep coming back to this focus, it's some people will think something is a monumental issue. And when you really break it down into its molecules, it's not. It's it's bad that day and maybe the next day. (laughs) But in the grand scheme of things, it's not always a monumental issue. So, yeah, I've, I've had some tough feedback that's made me reflect a lot about what I want to do, who I want to do it with. And that's professionally, that's personally. And it's nice. it's time to reflect in this character building. And I hope I've come out of it like a more informed person, a more empathetic person in my, yeah. my professional and my personal life. But I'll have to let someone else tell me if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when you're in those moments of, of kind of reflection, are there other sort of CEOs, leaders, are there people who inspire you that you look to or how does that work for you? Yeah, I, I was remiss earlier in seeing that while the company helped me get started and obviously everyone who came on employee two and we're now we're getting closer to 50 people in Canada and we have over 35 clinical trials ongoing in Canada, which is, is quite a large number for the size of company we are, etc. Yeah. But I'm also very grateful for, in addition to family and friends, is I have to say the Canadian general manager community, 
they everybody reached out and yes we have drugs that are maybe competitive not necessarily with us because we had first in class drugs but that was like so we don't talk about that but it was like how can i help you find somebody to make sure you have insurance for your employees what about do you know where you're going to set up offices and really like a community when it was all virtual right but yeah. it was like the proverbial bringing a cup of sugar or like an egg yeah. or, and I am oh. just so I have to thank all of my my brethren in Canada yeah. and whether that was suppliers vendors like it, it was some folks who had been there done that and not during a pandemic and I'm super grateful as well for that and want to be able to give back in that regard when the next person starts up and hopefully not during another pandemic <laughs> so I'm really grateful to them as well and there there are CEOs out there that I hold in high regards including our own CEO Hervé Fno who's got a tremendous vision there's someone who was head of Novartis Pharma, and he started Novartis Oncology, David Epstein, who's a pharmacist by training, who I hold in high regard. And not just in our, I hold Christy Shaw in high regard as well. She's someone who ran Kite Pharmaceuticals and took time off to help her sister who was battling cancer, took a year off from her, her career to do that, and then went back and was very successful. And she was actually named HBA Woman of the Year last year. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, she's tremendous. And, and not in our industry as well. There's a lot of people I hold in high regard. And we, we all try to learn from each other, given we all have different contexts, obviously. But yeah. Yeah. That's... I love that we have that community here. So I want to say in Canada, I'm sure it's global, but I know that we have such a great community. Now, I'm just looking at the time. So before we go, what sort of is the last maybe advice you have for the listeners? Yeah, I, what I would say is follow your heart. Yes, we all, we're very fortunate in Canada in general, in what we do, in the people we work with, the patients we work with, the caregivers. People are very passionate, they're very socially conscious, very intelligent, emotionally as well as intellectually. And I'll be very honest, I didn't always get the job that had a better title or better compensation. And that that's a choice based on one's circumstances, etc. And as I shared with you before the podcast started, I was made a terrific offer from another industry. <laughs> And I really had to ponder, did I want to switch industries? And I didn't. And that's personal. I can't tell people yes or suggest that you don't. As I mentor folks or coach, and as I have been coached, at the end of the day, if you want to have a nice, fulfilling, rewarding, long career, long personal life, like what do you want to be proud of, look back on, look forward to? And I think you have to follow your heart, what really drives you where you can bring that passion because I think that is what will might define your success really is your staying power your ability to think outside the box at least that's been my it's not a secret that's kind of that's and I'm not done right <laughs> there's still a lot to do in terms yeah. of bringing more compounds we're starting a whole new division in dermatology yeah. and inflammation autoimmunity and bringing more people on board and and want to make sure that we have a responsible 
company that people hold in high regard and they respect us here in Canada and globally. And and that's what we're looking for in our people is just go to it with all your heart. Be passionate about it. Be true to yourself. And mm-hmm. then this is a good fit. Uh, that's just perfect. And thank you so much, Christine, for coming on the podcast today. I know that you've inspired our listeners just as much as you've inspired me. Mm, thank you, Christine. I really appreciate it. So listeners, you've been listening to another HBA Canada Conversation and Connections episode. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of our exciting episodes and check out LinkedIn and Instagram for all of our up-to-date content.